You're listening to the ESPN Footy Tips AFL Podcast. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is you're listening. Uh, welcome to a very special draft edition of the ESPN Footy Tips AFL Podcast featuring a very special guest. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Jake Michaels from ESPN. How are you going, Jake? So I'm not the special guest. Is no, you're right? not. We're going to run through everyone that's in the room <laughs> and you're not the special guest and neither is Christian Jolly. That is normally your title on this podcast. Uh, welcome along from Champion Data. Uh, happy to be here and uh, happy to uh, yeah, succeed my spot to uh, your, next, your next introduction. Uh, Chris Dorry, he's our ESPN draft expert. Uh, he was on the uh, podcast this time last year and we're thrilled to have him back again. Chris, welcome. Uh, must, be close, uh, must be exciting to be so close to what some call AFL Christmas with the draft this week. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, it's good to be here. And yeah, I look forward to obviously getting stuck in and yeah, talking some draft. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you must have been busy over the past few weeks sort of looking through your lists and going through your stats and your vision and your phantom drafts and all that. But 2020, it's been a bit of a, a different year in terms of draft watching, given there was such a lack of action in Victoria and, and other places were kind of affected as well. COVID's thrown up a few curveballs. What's been the hardest thing about draft watching this year? Yeah, it's been a tricky one. It's been hard to get to games, obviously, being in Victoria. No NAB leagues, so that cut out the Victorians. No BFL, no under-18 championships. So just getting that vision of players, getting to see them against the best competition, it's just been quite a challenge. So, yeah, it's just working off pretty limited resources and, mm. yeah, doing the best we can, given everything. Chris, I, I, I guess one of the things I'm wondering on the back of that is how... Um, how unpredictable is this draft going to be? As we know, like, the, you know, just because you're a number one pick doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a superstar player. But do you think because we just have so little to go off, we're going to get a real mix of, we're going to get a lot of players taken deep in the draft that turn out to be really, really strong players and, and vice versa with some of the top picks? I think there's definite potential for that. I'm seeing the second round as potentially having quite a number of more misses than usual just because we've had all those Victorians that have missed that time and even possibly later in the first round. And then later on, maybe we've got some Victorians that maybe a club's really scouted particularly well. But just again, without those Victorians, you're really guessing off 2019 form. And you've got guys who have grown, guys who have had football development that we just haven't seen. So particularly with the Victorians, it's a lot of guesswork. And usually that's just about 50% of the draft. So... Yeah, it's a bit of a and, what, and what about mature age recruits? Do you think we're going to see a few more of them, uh, well, this year and then into next year? Yeah, so there are a few mature age recruits in the mix. But, um, yeah, it's been tricky. No VFL. We've had the Sandpool. We've had the Waffles. So that's been a help. There's a few, particularly in the Sandpool, that could come into the mix in the draft. But, yeah, we'll have some that will potentially come in, maybe those that missed this year, maybe the mid-season draft or the pre-season supplementary period they might have a chance. So that's something to watch out for too. And maybe clubs leave open, maybe a list spot or two as well to enable those additions as well. The thing I'm really interested in, uh, and Christian, you might want to jump in here as well. Like you've you've watched a bit of his footy, but the potential number one pick isn't going to go to the team that has the number one draft selection. uh, Because it it seems that Jamara Yugohagan, who's the consensus number one pick around the place, if Adelaide, with their first pick, do bid on him, the bid's going to get matched by the Bulldogs uh, because he's a, an academy player with them. Is, is this a bizarre sort of thing that we're, we're, we're seeing that there's going to be more and more players part of, that are really talented players who are part of these sorts of pathways that means that the teams that have the first pick and therefore need the most help aren't going to be able to secure these sorts of players? Like, how good is he? And is he 
Like, is it a shame that he can't go to Adelaide? Well, again, it's um, it, it's a, for me the the um, decision for the Crows to make a bid on him at pick one. I think it goes even deeper than just at a recruiting level. I mean, there's so much attached to pick one. Uh, I know there's a lot of boat financial bonuses that go to that player. I mean, you probably get a lot of marketing from being able to sell it to your members. We've taken the number one pick in the draft. So it's going to be the most interesting situation for me that if the next day after the draft that Adelaide have bid on Jamari Hagen with the first pick, um, they're going to end up with what they've basically admitted was their second pick in the draft after holding pick number one for in the last two or three months. So it's an interesting, you know, it was sort of uh, one that I think wouldn't have come, wouldn't be a decision made lightly by Adelaide. I think it would have been a whole footy club decision of do we, actually nominate another guy, an opposition player who, you know, who's going to end up being an opposition player as that number one pick. So again, um, yeah, he's just, he's a, he's a beast of a forward. He's, he's good at ground level. He's good overhead. Again, we've only, you know, as Chris just touched on, we've done 23 games of him across his career, only one game this season. So only one game where he's, you know, been proper, properly in his draft age. And that was just a trial game where he, you know, had nine touches and probably only played about 50%. But Again, from his 22 other games where he's been an underage player, he's done everything and he's always, you know, come up as a leap forward in our system. Chris, talking to you. I just say, I think you're spot on with that. If you hold the number one pick, and it does have so much prestige going right back, but you should, if you, the player you pick, you cannot have that matched. If If you hold the number one pick, you should get to take whoever you want in the country. That is your right of having the number one pick because there's so much. The number one pick is held in so much in such a higher regard than the number two pick, and obviously further down. Why? Why do you not really get the benefit of having earned that number one pick to be able to take the player that you want to take? So you, yeah, you'd Jake, leave it up to actually picks. be appeal back with that as well. So with the next gen academies, we'll find it sort of phased out where we won't actually have any of those first rounders anymore that can be matched. It'll be, I believe, it's from I, I believe it's the third round onwards in a few years' time that we'll have where they're the ones that can actually be plugged into clubs, whereas those, I guess, top-end ones, so I don't think we'll have a repeat of the Jamara situation. I think mostly just for funding reasons. So. Fascinating. Christian, um, <laughs> having <laughs> ha- <laughs> you would have seen uh, over the years, clubs would have been coming to champion data for all the sorts of bits and pieces that you do on, on the lower leagues, the, the NAB League and the, the Sandfall and the Waffle and, and all these sorts of competitions. Have clubs been leaning on stats from last year's competitions a lot more going into this year's draft? Like, how have they managed this sort of weird off-season that we've had? Yeah, so, again, uh, again, something Chris brought up before, but I think you mentioned it's, you know, the almost the Christmas of, you know, Christmas <laughs> of uh, for the recruiters. I think uh, the champs is, you know, that's, that's their highlight of the year. That's where a lot of um, make-or-break decisions are made. They start to put players on their radar. They really start to rate players there. I think just missing those championships is probably going to be the biggest thing that the recruiters missed. Um, again, there was um, trial matches played in February or March in NAB League that a few recruiters might have gone down to watch. All of a sudden, they became hot property in September, October, when we realised they were the only games that were going to be coded for the kids. So, uh, again, yeah, trial games that you know people would have just maybe just paid a little bit of attention to to find someone, you know, the diamond in the rough were actually being used. You know, again, that was the only time we saw Hugo Hagen play officially this year was a trial match for Oakley. So, uh, yeah, recruiters would have had a, a definitely a tough season. I know there would have been, um, you know, industry-wide sort of um, stood down and roles, you know, changing mid-season and things like that. So it would be a bit of a scramble at this time of year. Uh, but again, like they've, they've got, as I said, 20-odd games of players, you know, as, as – underage kids of previous years that they can look at 
But again, it's it's being able to value that. So someone like Will Phillips, who you know is probably going to go as top five pick, a gun Oakley Chargers midfielder. The games that he played with Oakley Chargers last year had Noah Anderson and Matt Rao running around with him. So he didn't get it, you know, even though he's got great numbers, we know he's going to go high. He could have been even better had he been, you know, the actual number one player in his midfield. So there's a there's a lot of uh there's a lot of vision and stats. You've got to look at it for the players, but there's a lot of noise outside of that. Exactly as Chris said, guys that have grown 10 centimetres, their roles might have changed yeah. that they played this year. So uh, definitely feel for the recruiters. They would have um, probably yeah, earned their money this year. To do with, yeah, with probably is less time to do it. Well, Chris, the pressure's on you now because we're going to move into a phantom draft. We're going to do the top 20 this year. Um, gee, I mean, it must have been hard for you throughout the year trying to put these sorts of pieces and these sorts of rankings together because of, I mean, the reasons we've just been through. But what we're going to do is we'll run through your first 20 picks. Uh, basically, we'll go through club by club, the selection number, the player name, and, and you give us a, a brief little spiel on on what they do well and, and how you think they fit into that club system. Um, but I guess, firstly, before we get into a phantom draft, how does this differ from the power rankings that you also do for the website, ESPN.com.au? Yeah, so my power rankings is basically just where I rate particular players and in terms of what I think their career outlook will look like. Whereas my phantom draft, it's just me guessing where I think players will go to which teams and in which order. Excellent. All right. Well, without further ado, let's, uh, I guess, start with pick one. Are you going to do the uh, yeah. <laughs> the Christian uh, Jolly way and, and just bid on someone else? Or are you going to bid on Jamara? Yeah, so you know, I believe it will be you? a bid on Jamara pick one. So, yep. yeah, I think we'll be following the script there. So All right. I, I think for that's it. just pretty unavoidable where most recruiters are pretty well in consensus that Jamara is the guy. So, yeah, it's pretty hard to pass on him. Um, just he's an aerial assault, just incredible in the air. You just Once he's launched, if he's going to drop it, he'll drop it. But if he, there's just no way to spoil it. So he's just incredible. Best inside 50 target I've seen in the junior ranks in my 12 years covering the draft. And Can he come in and have an immediate impact at AFL level? Um, there's that potential. It is hard with key forwards to, I guess, immediately impact. But I would be expecting round one, he would be probably that choice. And I'd be pairing him with Norton personally and probably dropping Bruce. And he's built a little bit differently to the other, you know, you sort of talk about how long and you look at other previous number one picks, um, you know, like Paddy McCartan and Tom Boyd, they were, they were really, really big boys, top heavy. It probably took a while. He, again, he's, he's taller and he's good in the air, but he, he hasn't got that huge body. So again, it, it probably looks like he might be able to uh, yeah, find his, find his game a bit earlier than some of the bigger boys. All right. Pick two. Yep, so pick two, I'm expecting Adelaide, they might go with Logan McDonald. It is a bit of a toss-up, maybe they still go with Hilthorpe, but um, yeah, I'm tipping Logan McDonald as of now, so and we'll see if that into... stays that way, but yeah, so Logan McDonald, key forward, um, he's just been incredible in the waffle, was leading the goal picking for much of the year, came probably third or fourth in the end, and waffle team of the year, that's never happened, let alone for a key forward, so it's, yeah, he's had a great year. And he'd be someone, if I was in that position too, I'd be making that very same choice. Excellent. Pretty clear the Crows need a key forward. So, um, Tex. <laughs> I need a few things. Tex isn't going to be doing it for much longer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they just have to be hoping. Maybe they've got Fogarty, maybe um, Himmelberg, maybe one or the other come good. But at this stage, it's still probably a bit early to say definitively that either will come good. So, Moving down the board, uh, pick three. Yep. So, yeah, North Melbourne. I think they might go with Riley Philthorpe. Um, there's a chance maybe they go Elijah Hollands, but yeah, I think they'll be going with the big where I think just having that key forward, he can play rough, maybe he's that Goldstein successor eventually. Um, so he gives you those options. And it seems like with Hollands as well, having 
um, suffered the um, season-ending injury, well, I think probably the safer bet is probably Phil Thorpe because you've got the two years of Sandville play behind him where he's performed really well. So does that mean that uh, Holland goes next at pick four, are we up to? Um, yeah, so we've got Sydney. So I actually think they might go with Denver Granger Barats. Uh. So key defender. So it, he's been pretty closely linked. So I think that selection will remain pretty firm. I think that will be the direction they'll go in. One of the great names too on the draft board. I think their defence is probably just a bit short of real quality. So I think that's the way they'll go, which is different to my power rankings, but they're different things. Moving yeah, on. Granger, Granger Barras, another, number, number one in the waffle this year for intercepts per game. So playing amongst men and already sort of dominating a certain stat. So you know exactly what you're getting with a very reliable key defender that can, yeah, can find the footy. Yeah, and also being 195 centimetres, having that one quarter against Logan McDonald, I think that's what solidified him there. But moving on, um, Hawthorne, I think they'll go with Will Phillips will be the pick there. So um, just he's that dominant midfielder in this draft. In my opinion, he was playing at a standard really equal to, if not greater than a Noah Anderson last year in the finals. And I think he was on par with a Sarong at Flanders. So he's really got that immediate game and round one ready for mine. It's got the burst, ball winning, so he'll be a good man. Excellent. Port have pick seven, I think, at this point. Um, so next up, so I've actually got Gold Coast, so yeah. pick six. So I'm tipping Elijah Hollands will go there. So it is a bit of a fall. He could potentially go to Hawthorne with that pick five, but um, yeah, I'm tipping that he'll drop to Gold Coast at this stage. So he's a very versatile player, high impact per possession, can play forward, can play mid. So he gives you options, but I think he'll start his career probably as a forward. And he, he was he had injuries throughout the year, hasn't he? Yeah, so um, yeah, went down with the um, ACLs, so yeah, out for the season. So. Will he be able to play? And, and early that's on? why I think he might drop to here, where it's just right. a bit of a risk taking him pick one or pick two. Right. Um, if not for the injury, maybe he might have gone pick two potentially, even yeah. pick one. But yeah, he would have been one of those top players. But yeah, look, being still the top sort of five or so pick is still really a great outcome for him. And the next selection. Yep, so I'm tipping Essendon. They'll go with Finlay McRae. So I think Essendon are just lacking that outside midfielder, that outside class. So I think that's a missing component for them. So mm -hmm. I think he might be that pick. So brother of Jack, I think he's a bit more advanced for the same age. He's a bit shorter, but skills better, better on both sides. So um, had the season gone ahead this year, who knows how he would have developed. That would have been interesting, obviously, being another Oakley boy. So. Well, if he's as close as being as good as his brother, he'll be a, he'll be a good pick-up yeah, for the Bombers. phenomenal. And look, he is those five centimetres shorter, so that is the disclaimer. But, yeah, I think he'll be a terrific hit at the next level. So, next, so Essendon have two more of the next picks, so they're in good fortune here. I think they'll actually only be taking one key position player around this spot, having taken um, Jones last year and then having two that they can actually pick up later in the draft. So I think just getting four in three years is probably enough in terms of tools. So I think they'll also take Archie Perkins. So good forward, can play potentially through the mid. That's the hope that he might develop that. But really strong mark, has good skills, got the speed. He really takes on the game with bigger. So he's someone that I think Essendon might like. Um, next selection, pick nine, Essendon. So I think they'll take Zach Reed. So for me, that's a bit of a toss-up. Is it, is it a Reed? Is it maybe a Cox? So, but I think probably Reed, where, look, he can play a bit of ruck, but I think just as a key defender is a pretty solid key defender. Ruck height, so that makes him intriguing. Excellent skills. So 
Um, yeah, he's highly touted and yeah, I think probably Essendon. Are you finding, Chris, that as the years go by that you're finding guys that are ruck height, they're sort of 200 centimetre players who are just really, really good with their skills and, and this has sort of just developed in the last five to ten years that there are blokes this big, this good with the footy in hand? Yeah, I'm seeing a transition where we're seeing in the midfield, you've got the traditional key position heights and basically your traditional ruck heights. Well, they can be key position players. And it really feels like it's a, I guess, a developing small man skill. It's a bit like an NBA where you've got, I guess, all those guard skill types who can dribble and all that dribble pass shoot. Well, I think it's a bit similar in the AFL as well, where we're seeing more of those guys where they're taller, but they've got the ground level skills, can use the ball. And we've got a bit of that in this draft as well, where we've got Reed, who's over two metres, he can use it. Cox, nearly two metres, he can really use it too. So I think that'll become more and more common. Mm. I feel like it's changed quite, quite a few years ago with probably starting from the midfielders, like the, the big, tall midfielders, whether it was Fife or Cripps or Bontempelli. You know, there's so many big, tall midfielders now that it's almost meant that for Ruckman, there's no excuse. Like, you've got to be good with the ball. You've got to be able to get down on your knees and pick the ball up. You've got to have good skills. You can't just be tap the ball and then jog away to the next Ruck contest. You've got to be able to do more. Sure. Yeah, Where are we up to, Chris? You need other weapons if you're going to be a ruck today. Next Number pick. 10. Yep, so next pick. So I believe Adelaide might place a bid on Braden Campbell as my tip at this stage. So um, so Campbell, Sydney Academy, is probably the most skilled in this draft, I'd say. Has a booming kick, 55, 60 metres. Just beautiful user, but then he has the speed. He can play mid, forward. I speculate he could even go back if you wanted him to. So he really gives you options and he's a really high impact player. So I think Sydney will be pretty happy with him there. After matching. So, so, so we've gone, we've gone 10 now. Who would be the three players just off the cuff here that would make the biggest impact of this top 10 next year, in your opinion, who can come in and have that immediate impact at AFL level? Sure. So Will Phillips would definitely be the one where I'd say year one ready. He can play right away. Um, the other ones... Harder to say, maybe a Braden Campbell, just because he has that versatility, I think really helps him, where you don't have to play him as a mid. You can play him forward, you can play him back. And after that, harder to say. Um, possibly a Logan McDonald, given what he was doing in the Waffle. So he'd be in that mix, maybe. Yeah, I'd probably go um, McDonald, that next guy. Even though he yeah. is a key forward, it's harder to do that right away, but just playing mm. the way he did, yeah. I think the interesting thing I saw with... Uh... Logan McDonald this year. So we do similar players um, across competitions. And again, so his most similar player that he came off of, of his uh, waffle season this year was Eddie Betts, uh, was his most similar player. And second most similar player was Tom Lynch at Richmond. So to me on a quick That's look at it, yeah, it, it's very different. But again, he was he's an 18-year-old kid that was playing against men as a, in a key position player. So you can expect him to be coming up against bigger and stronger opponents each week. To be able to sort of put together, to show that he's got, you know, the, the skill at ground level to be, you know, a similar player to Eddie Betts and finish third in the goal kicking, as you said, uh, across the competition, shows that he doesn't need to come in and play that power forward straight away. He's got the ground level skills. And again, I think he'll be the type of key forward that he, he won't take too long to sort of, yeah, start to make an impact at AFL level like some of the bigger ones. But as I said, yeah, he's already sort of shown this year that he can, can, have, can have an impact without having to, you know, outbody the bigger blokes. Excellent. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that, Christian. I see him exactly the same way. The uh, the second half of the Phantom Draft, pick 11. Where are we heading? Yep, so, yep, we've got Adelaide. So, I'm predicting they I'm predicting they take Tom Powell. So, 
high production midfielder, racks it up, averaged about 35 odd disposals in the um, SA under 18s. So is that really, I guess, Brad ready Crouch replacement? Here? Sorry, what was that, Jake? Just a bit of a Brad Crouch replacement. Yeah, potentially. Um, otherwise, they'll be probably getting Jackson Haitley in the preseason draft, who I think will just plug and play as well. So, um, yeah, I think Adelaide will really be looking for that midfield boost where they just really struggled through there, just not winning the clearances. So I, I think they need that midfielder, and I think that's what might persuade them to go with the pal around this spot. Because if they're going tall early, they probably need that mid of around about now. Good call. 13? Yep. Uh, 12? Yep, so yep. So next up, so we have GWS, but I believe they'll be making a bid on Lachlan Jones from the um, Port Adelaide. So um, yeah, I think Port Adelaide will absolutely match that because looking at what Jones was doing in the Sandpool this year, well, he was playing just in defence, really good ball user, but so strong, he's ready to go. He can play round one. That's just a question of whether in Port Adelaide's really awesome defence, frankly. Whether he can. That's what I was about to say. As soon as you said defender, do they need another defender for me? Yeah, that's the easy. thing. He does have the scope to develop as a midfielder as well. So, mm -hmm. although he was playing defence this year, he can go through the mids where he won over 50% contested. He's got the burst of speed, booming kicks. So, yeah, he, I, I think he does have that scope to develop, but I think he'll need to develop that endurance first. So, give him a couple of years, then I think maybe he can be a mid. Yeah, so, so across the season, there was 11 players that played Sample League that were eligible to be drafted this year. Uh, only two of those played players played more than eight games, so more than half the year. And, yeah, Lachlan Jones played 16 until Thorpe, we sort of spoke about earlier, uh, had played nine. Oh, sorry, Corey Durden had also played nine as well. So, again, Lachlan Jones already, yeah, 16 games of sample experience playing against men this year. It's probably the most games of anyone in the top leagues of anyone in the draft this year. So, again, yeah, I, I'd expect him to play next year. Besides the fact that he's just joining such a good team that's just finished on top of the ladder, he might might not be able to crack in. But he's someone where he's really strongly built. But the other thing as well, he really lifted his game in the finals as well, where he played his best games at the very end of the season. So that's a good indicator that he'll carry that momentum, I think, into next year. The trajectory so moving on, so GWS finally making their selections. <laughs> so I'm looking at their defence as probably a bit weak at this time. So I think they might go with Keith Chapman. So... He's a tall defender, almost like maybe a Grant Birchall, where he's not quite tall enough to play key position, but he can intercept, really good rebounder, good skills, can provide some runs. So with GWS losing the likes of Shaw, obviously they've cut, they've lost Williams. Um, Core's gone as a tall defender, so I think they do need to solidify their defence. So I think that would be a pretty sensible selection for GWS there. So moving on, so North Melbourne. Um, I believe they might be looking at Oliver Henry. So um, he's a tall utility. He can play at either end and really be an aerial option. So strong marks, so gives options. He's someone that I actually rated quite a long way outside my power rankings, but in saying that in Clubland, there's a lot of really strong advocates. So Good pedigree as well. He uh, related to Geelong's Yeah, brother yeah, plays for Geelong, good defender. So Excellent. And Oliver is more advanced, the same age, probably a better well-rounded player so that's why he's getting spoken about around this part of the draft i think it's really interesting what you just said about how he might not have featured as high in your actual powering but we've got to remember that clubs have to find players that fit holes and, and are suited to, to what they need at the time there's no good it's all well and good to take the best player in the draft and if there's an absolute standout you do that at the time but 99 times out of 100 you'd be taking the player that suits what you need at 
Agreed. And I'm seeing holes in North Melbourne's list as well. Like they've got a few tools who will come through, obviously taking a toll in this draft, but their midfield I find is actually quite reasonable. And that's why I thought, yeah, maybe a Henry might be a chance where you can play forward or back. There's a few holes in defence after a few delistings. So maybe there's a chance there, but at either end, he gives you that option. So next up, so Fremantle. So I think they might be looking at maybe a Nick Cox if he can slide through. So tall key position player. You can play him on a wing. You can play him on a flank if you need to. So 199 has the skills, really has the acceleration, just a really impressive athlete overall. So um, Which yeah, end of the ground would, would we see him play? Both ends. So, so someone that can go either way, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And look, you can play him as a tall wing. So I think that'll be something that we'll start to see more where you'll have your, your genuine 200-centimetre tall wings where if they can cover the ground, have the endurance, have the contested marking, maybe we have another Richo on the wing. So I'm not something to look for. So, so he could mind. win a brown though or come close. I'm more than a novelty, I'm calling it. I've been calling it all year for those <laughs> who follow me on social. But um, um, yeah, moving on to GWS, I believe they might look at a Connor Stone if he makes it through. So... He's someone where he's played mostly forward, um, came onto the scenes, kicked five goals in his debut game for Oakley, but very much an overpowered Oakley team where having the likes of Raul, Anderson, Phillips, Jamara, just an incredible team. And Connor Stone's one where, again, he's someone that I'll, I'm surprised to hear the talk around maybe his a top 15 pick, his probable top 15 pick, really. So um, that's been pretty interesting. And um, yeah, he has the capability as well to play back. So He's got tricks around goal, but he has some straight line speed. So, Where are we up to now? Pick 17. Yeah, so, yep. So we're on to Collingwood. So, um, Ooh, Brady. Where do you start? So they need a Stevenson replacement. The forward line for Collingwood's looking pretty bleak. So, um, yeah, Cook can be a pretty instant replacement. Here's someone where he was a later bloomer. He may have grown around six or seven centimetres this year. So, And he averaged about two goals a game in the um, SA under-18s as well. So... Are we looking yeah, at a mid-size forward here? Level, strong, very strong overhead, good athlete. Mid-size forward? Mid-size forward? Yeah, mid-size forward. So about 189. So, And given he's grown so much this year, look, maybe he grows a little bit more. Maybe he's got another four centimetres in him for all we know. So that's something to watch. So, And we've got three selections left. Yep. So next up, I'm tipping GWS. Um Tanner Brun. So he's one where I'm thinking this is probably the low end of his range, but it just feels like with the needs of some other selections, he might be one of the sliders in this draft. So he's one of the mids where he's, he missed, he's missed a lot of time with injury and that's really played against him. Um, if he was healthy all last season, well, he might be a top five pick or pretty close to. <laughs> so he's basically a goal-kicking midfielder, great skills, has the evasion, wins a high percentage contested. So there's a lot to like. So worth the punt uh, at that pick, you think, for, for someone who, who hasn't shown much because of injury? Yeah, and he's someone where, look, he has the junior performances behind him. He's, he's shone during the under-16s. But even last year, he was kicking goals in his... I think he played about two or three games for Geelong in the um, NAB League last year. So, um, yeah, he's someone where, look, when he has played, he's been strong, but just obviously he's missed a lot of time. And then without this year, well, that's really hurt him too, I think. Mm. 19, uh, the Pies again, I believe Yeah, so I think Collingwood might be placing a bid here So Blake Coleman from Brisbane's Academy So um, he's a really good pressure forward um, His brother is 
with um, Brisbane as well. And I'm looking at him as probably the more advanced brother for the same age. So he's that pressure forward, good at ground level, um, can hit the scoreboard. So, and, so we'll, and look, Collingwood really lack a ground level forward. So um, that is a pretty logical selection and been pretty heavily touted that Collingwood so, will So you don't think the bid will be matched? Um, no, sorry, I do believe the bid will be matched by Brisbane. Apologies. So just to confirm that. So yeah, Brisbane, I imagine, will want to match that. So yeah. And then uh, I guess the pies slide down to 20. Yeah, and I've got probably a bit of a surprise pick here, but I'm going with Luke Pedler. So he's a South Australian. He's played very little sort of, I guess, um, SA footy. He's played more school footy and he's had a lot of injuries. So he's had shoulder issues, but really aggressive player, strong ball winner, can play forward of centre and really impact games. And I almost look at him as a, I guess, bigger body sort of Tom... Uh, sorry, Toby Green almost. So mm-hmm. you can play him forward. He can really Sounds impact good. playing through the mids <laughs> and impact. So, and look, it's just out of a lack of exposure. If he'd played more footy at a recognised levels, we had the under-18 chance maybe. We're talking about him as a top 10 pick. And he was someone where I very nearly included him in my power rankings, but just seeing only the one game, having very limited vision, I just can't realistically do that. It's just taking too much of a punt, so... Fair enough. For we me, could uh, we could keep going. I'd love to keep going. We could do we could do seven rounds of this sort of stuff, but uh, we we are running out of time, and we do need to move on. However, uh, I believe your your full phantom draft, the final phantom draft, is being released uh, tomorrow morning. Is that right? Um, yeah, that'll be coming up pretty soon. So that'll be on the morning of the draft, actually. So. The morning of the draft. So uh, on your, when you're you're looking on your, on the website espn.com.au forward slash afl. Uh, Wednesday morning, there'll be the full phantom draft, every pick, every bid, every player uh, from Chris. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Christian, um, I mean, you've, you've also watched a bit of this sort of footy o- over the last year or so. Any players that are outside that top 20 that, that have caught your eye and are worth looking at on draft night? Um, oh, I mean, there's a couple. I mean, yeah, it's pretty extensive in terms of, um, you know, how many bids, uh, even Chris was saying there. So there's a few guys, you know, probably next five or six picks that are, you know, all deserve to be in the top 22 that might just miss out. But uh, one guy that sort of just sticks out to me numbers-wise, um, again, sort of as a statistician, I've got the luxury, if you would like to put it that way, of I see the numbers come through first and then I can dig into the vision and see what type of player he is. But luxury is Yeah, well, there's a bloke here, Errol Golden, who, again, the first time champion data had ever captured him uh, was under 16 championships. He's finished with 38 disposals, eight clearances, five goals, and 245 ranking points. So anything over 110 yeah. is a good game. 245 is astronomical. <laughs> uh, backed it up the next week under 16 champs, 177 ranking points, 33 touches. Final game of the champs, 149 ranking points, 35 touches. So, again, just huge numbers. Um, you sort of go to the fantasy, tape. Fantasy players take note. <laughs> Correct. Um, and then you go to the tape and you sort of wonder, Jesus this guy, you know, an absolute superstar. He's about 178 centimetres, I think, or not much taller if he is, and he's linked to Sydney's academy. So I'm sure he'll get drafted. He might go a bit later based on his size. But, again, in terms of just the numbers that wow you, he had the one for me this year. Um, another guy, Jack Carroll, who had really big numbers in the Waffle Colts. Um, could be a chance to go top 25, 30 as well. I'm sure Chris had him very close um, in the next couple of names. But yeah, he's another one that just just huge numbers, like 30, 35 touches nearly every time he played Waffle Colts. So yeah, a few out there. Chris, I mean, I know that there's been a lack of footy this year, but have there been any players that have really just sort of come from nowhere this year or over the past few months to sort of be right at the top of the pecking order? 
Yeah, so some of the bolters, and I've already sort of brought them up, but um, really I'd be looking at the likes of Connor Stone. I'm really surprised that he's being looked at as early as he is. Obviously, Victorian, so hasn't played this year, so it's really looking back at what he did last year. Um, I'm thinking of a Braden Cook having grown as much as he did, really performing on the level he did, improving as much as he did from last year. I think he's one who's really risen, and I think he's a genuine sort of first-round mixed type. Um, a Luke Pedlar is someone where... Coming into the year, I certainly didn't know about him. And, um, yeah, he's someone where, again, in the first round mix, could go second round, but I think he's someone who's a pretty strong chance to get drafted. And then a Jack Carroll, who I'm a big fan of as well, where this year has really developed the contested side of his game, which has been the big difference, where he's always had the ball use, always had the class, moves so well, has the agility, evades guys. But, um, yeah, bringing that contested side, winning such a high percentage contested, Having the late year birthday, I think he's someone who's going to appeal to clubs. Maybe he doesn't quite squeeze in in the first round, but he's someone, if I had a late first round pick, I'd definitely be looking at as a mid. Excellent. And what about the other way? I mean, we mentioned a couple of players that um, sort of suffered injuries late last year and haven't played at all. Are there any that sort of were really quite up there on your board for this year's draft last year um, that might be going under the radar that the players that teams might be able to pick up as, as a bit of a bargain basement pick? Yeah, so the one I'm probably looking at that more than anyone else has really dropped is probably Kane Baldwin, where he's someone who's done the two ACLs, which has been unfortunate. But um, had he not suffered the ACL this year, if he had a strong year, he's a possible first rounder. And he's someone where, look, maybe it's still a mid-draft chance, but I, I think he probably goes mid to late at this stage is probably the most realistic scenario to play out. We, we, like I said before, we could sort of keep going through these lists um, for as long as we possibly could, but uh, we do have to keep this, this show somewhat brief. Guys, if you are interested in, in um, Chris's power rankings or his phantom drafts that he's done so far, they are all on ESPN.com.au forward slash AFL. Uh, and like we said, there's going to be another one released Wednesday morning, Wednesday of the draft. So um, if, you, if you need your fix and you need to know who your club's looking at uh, and the sort of players that these, these kids are, that's the place to do it. Um, Jake, You've written a piece for yes. us today and it was in the newsletter. Not without controversy because it does involve the draft and number one draft picks. You tried to rank them, uh, all of the draft picks since 2000, all the number one draft picks since 2000. And your number three caught my eye. I'm not going to reveal the number one because I think if you want to read it, again, espn.com.au forward slash AFL. But number three, who was that and why did you select that player there? Um, I selected that player because I think he probably already is the third best player from uh, as a number one pick. It's Matt Rowell. We've obviously only seen him for very, very small body of work, five games. I can um, count him on my hand, one, on my one hand. One, two, but, three, four games in a couple of minutes. <laughs> but if you read the start of this, I make it clear that we're, we're not just looking at back on her career because you know some of these picks are, are very recent, whereas others have played for two decades. So we're looking more so at well, a combination of what someone's done and also looking at what we're projecting from, from other players. So number one picks like Matt Rowell and Sam Walsh, I think it's, I think it's pretty clear those guys are going to be really strong players and, and probably, let's be honest, have stronger careers than some of the other number one picks that were taken. Um, but yeah, I think from what we've seen with, with Matt Rowell, as I said earlier in, in the show, I mean... I would be stunned if he didn't win a Brownlee medal in his career. He, he's an incredible footballer. It's rare that a player can go straight into the midfield. 
and just dominate games as an 18-year-old, whether it's whether it's his ability to win the ball, his contested ball use, or kicking goals. We saw it all, and it was such a shame that he uh, that he got injured because who knows? He could have done the impossible and won the Brownlow in his first year. You never know. He was the third favourite, remember, before he before his injury. So the red hair does um, stand out. Bring on the abuse. I'm sure people won't like him being ranked that high, but I think in a decade or so, we'll probably look back and who knows, we might be making the case that he should be the number one on a list like that. Fair enough. Hey, one thing that stood out to me about that piece is um, only two of those players have won premierships. So only two of the top one draft picks yeah, had, had won a flag. interesting, isn't it? Two, two premiership players. Um, we won't reveal anyone. Go well, we know you won them. Um, <laughs> Tom Boyd won one in 2016, and Luke Hodge won a few at the, at the Hawks. True. We're not revealing where they're ranked, though. Um, and there's only one that's a Brownlow medalist, Adam Cooney. So um, It's not the be-all and end-all, is it? Number one draft picks, they're overrated. They oh. always have been. They always will be. They're good to have, but you know what? I think there's been more better, more players have success between 10 and 20 than sort of the top few few picks in the last 15 years so well um um, yeah lots of busts a few busts but the thing as well is um and i I find this this really interesting is that um crows fans need not worry because if it's going to follow the same pattern uh if if they They don't have to worry about having the number one pick don't worry about they can have the number one and this number two pick in kind of All right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Like I said, ESPN.com.au got heaps of draft coverage. Uh, I spoke um, to Ben Ainsworth from the Gold Coast Suns about what's involved in actually having to move to go and play footy as an 18-year-old, or he was 17 at the time. Uh, So that was a really interesting one. That's going to be on the website tomorrow, Um, like I said. Which is really interesting because I think a lot of people just assume, oh, well, they they just, you know, you see them on draft night and then you see them round one if they're playing and you you don't realize what's happened. And that period in between, it's the, quite the, fascinating. The connection that these guys have with their PlayStations, honestly, the one thing that everyone seems to mention when there's like, what do you need to have to go up there is a PlayStation. So uh, that's a good yarn, but that'll be out uh, tomorrow. We're going to send out a newsletter. If you are subscribed, uh, you can subscribe again on the website if you need to. Uh, Chris Dory, thank you so much for joining us. You're going to have a grading piece out on the, at the end of draft night or at the end of Thursday night? Yes, I'll be working on that draft night and it'll be up the morning after. So Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Christian Jolly. Thank you, Jake Michaels. Guys, uh, thanks for joining us throughout the year and we will speak to you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Footy Tips AFL podcast.